If you've got a Bible, um, go ahead and turn with me to Psalm chapter 46. The 46th Psalm. It really is our pleasure and honor to, to hang out with pastor's class tonight and Team Olson and um, not just because there was heartache barbecue in the room, bless the Lord, okay, but uh, bless the Lord, oh my stomach, but uh, because we really, we love this class and uh, we love leadership of this class and really we are, we are pumped to be here. My wife and my son now are from Lufkin, Texas, all right. Um, I, I'm a South Mississippi boy, grew up in Laurel, Mississippi, but I went on staff at Southside Baptist Church in Lufkin, Texas in 2009, <laughs> met the pastor's daughter, married her, and took her as fast as I could out of there. Um, but... <laughs> So, yeah, so, so Karim was my boss's daughter, okay? He tells everybody he had to pay me for four years before I'd marry her, but without the context, that sounds really weird, but it, I was a staff member, okay? So, while I was on staff um, at the church in Lufkin, there was a family who asked me to house sit for them while they were gone. They lived way out of town in the country, had a lot of land, and uh, the, their land was overrun with wild pigs, and they had, they had hogs everywhere. And he said, well, while you're out here, if you want to you go shoot some hogs, you're more than welcome to. So I was like, okay, my stepdad had just given me a, an AR-15, had a military assault rifle, and a lot of downtime. So I was like, let's party, okay? So um, I was a student pastor, had a few guys staying with me at the house just so I didn't burn anything down, and somebody had to cook. And so I uh, had a few high schoolers hanging out with me, and as we were, <laughs> we said, hey, why don't, why don't we go shoot some pigs. Like, yeah, let's party. So we gathered all the gear, had the AR-15. I had a little headlamp that my stepdad had also given me. And so we're, we're marching through the back of uh, their, like the back edge of their property looking for anything that'll move because we're ready to blow it to pieces. And uh, we'd been hunting for probably about an hour. And about that time, the boys were like, you hear that? You hear that? And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. So we get, we get really still. We kind of crouch down. Here we go. I've got my gun. And we see with my little headlamp, I mean, <laughs> visibility is like from here to here, okay? And so um, got my headlamp on. We're like, okay, we see. Oh, the eyes, eyes. We see the eyes coming, eyes coming, green eyes. Like, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And they, as it got closer and closer and closer anticipations building we are ready to kill a pig and those green eyes went from here to here to here to here to here when it got about right here we were like bull bull it was a charging bull and not a pig okay there, there was no way in the world I was about to take down the prize bull of the people I'm house sitting for okay they were going to pay me a hundred bucks instead of me pay them ten thousand bucks okay so at that time we we panic. We freak out. We break and run. There's nowhere to hunt, uh, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. We are running as fast as we can, screaming like little children. And uh, finally, they had, they had cleared some land. So we, we climbed up into some fallen trees um, and uh, jumped up in this tree. This bull snorting, circling, really, for, for a couple of hours. And we're just like, what do we do? The boys are like, shoot it. And I'm like, are you going to pay for this thing? Like, no, I'm not going to shoot it, you know? Um, <laughs> I will never forget it because I almost <laughs> never lived past it. Um, Tonight, as we look at three short verses and three simple principles out of Psalm chapter 46, I, I want to talk to you um, about the, uh, the idea of being in trouble. All right, you'll see in, um, in Psalm chapter 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help. What? 
in trouble. In trouble. <laughs> Friends, let me tell you, that's a night when I found myself in trouble. The word here literally means uh, to be in a tight place. It's like someone who's backed into a corner and they have no place to run and no place to turn. Uh, tonight I want us to discuss some principles, okay? It's three simple principles that when embraced and applied, they can free our minds of fear and they can heal our hearts of deepest despair when we find ourselves backed into a corner with literally nowhere to go. Like the foe is up on you. You're backed into the corner. Seems inescapable. <laughs> Seems like death has come to the door. Knock, knock, knock. And you are powerless and helpless. I'm confident in this room tonight that I don't a guesstimate. <laughs> Told you I grew up in Mississippi, okay? I'm a Mississippi boy with 80% of my brain. That's called handicapped, okay? So, but I, I would guess there's somewhere between 10 and 200 people in the room tonight, okay? Um, that's a, a, a little guesstimate. Uh, room this size, I, I would dare say many of us tonight find ourselves in trouble. We're backed into the corner. Work is tough. School is hard. Children are wayward. Marriage is shaky, finances are busted, health is failing, maybe your parents are sick, you name it. The weight of life is heavier right now than it's ever been before. And your heart is literally screaming, crying for rest, for relief, and for help. I would dare say many of us in some capacity, big or small, tonight would say, Chase, I would love some rest, some relief, and some help. And I hope and pray that tonight... Um, we see some principles that can help us find that where God heals our hearts of fear and strengthens us with an elevated perspective of God's goodness, His grace, His mercy, and His sovereignty in all circumstances and situations. Just a little bit of our story. Um, many, many, if not all of you probably, probably know a little bit of this by now, but January 25th of this year, one month to the day after Bam came to live in Dallas with us, um, I had an MRI and just right across the street here, left here on my lunch break, went and had an MRI. Four hours later, doctor called me and said, Mr. Sims? Yeah. Well, we're leaving the office. I'm at Corinne's office. Yeah. What's up? Um, looking at your MRI, you need to get to the emergency room immediately because you have a very large mass in your right temporal lobe that something needs to be done with immediately. She was on speakerphone. Corinne was like, what, what, does, that, what does that mean? And she was like, I don't, I don't know anything other than you need to get to the emergency room immediately because you have a very large mass in your right temporal lobe. And if something's not done about it, the consequences could be grave. But okay, so we jump in the car. We go to Plano Presby. An hour later, we're sitting in a waiting room. A neurosurgeon walks in the door, looks me in the face, and says, Mr. Sims, you know, at that time I'm thinking, okay, a mask. That could be anything. Like, I, I sneezed this morning. Maybe my brain's off-centered, whatever. Um, a man walks into the room whom I've never seen before and have not seen again after that, truth be told. said, Mr. Sims, you have a very large tumor about the size of your fist and your right temporal lobe that you've had for a long time, probably over a year, and you need to have surgery. <laughs> Translation, we need to cut your brain, your skull open and remove a part of your brain. Okay, you know, like, yeah, oh, yeah. hey, I'm Chase, by the way. Great to meet you. Um, four days later, a surgeon laid me on a table, literally cut through what my wife says is a thick skull. I don't understand how she knows that, but um, literally cut through my thick skull and removed a, a fist-sized portion of my brain that was killing me. Now, I know that many of you are thinking right now, okay, 
Mississippi boy. They removed a fifth-sized portion of his brain, and we're supposed to believe there's anything left? Yeah, I know. My, again, Corinne and Bam Bam wonder every day, like, there can't be much left if they took that I mean, Come on. Um, <laughs> absolute honest to God truth. Look, I grew up in the church. I've heard Psalm 46, 1 through 3, my entire life. Okay? I was like Bible school valedictorian, youth group president, in it to win it. Like, I've been in the game my whole life, this Jesus, this church thing. But these three verses have come more alive in my heart and my mind in the last six months than I could have ever dreamt. Um, What we see in Psalm chapter 46 is uh, actually it's the celebratory song of um, a victory we see detailed in 2 Kings chapter 19. Um, the Assyrian army in 2 Kings chapter, uh, chapter 19, the Assyrian army is powering through the region. They're ravaging every city, people, and place that stood in their way. The smoldering ruins of the suffering cities lay behind them with God's chosen people and God's city, Jerusalem, laying in their crosshairs, destined for disaster. Like literally the Assyrian army marches up in the front yard of God's people and says, we are going to kill you. They're in the crosshairs of disaster. It's in these moments that God's chosen children, his treasured children in in Israel began to say, God, we're your chosen children in your in your city of promise where your spirit rests. And like, why do we face the same hardship that the pagans do? Like the same Assyrian army that killed the pagans is now going to kill us? Like what's even the benefit of being in Christ if we're not protected from the things that the pagans are, that are killing the pagans? You you see where we're going here? Um, The Assyrians are in the front yard. They're flexing, they're taunting, they're threatening. And uh, the children of Israel are somewhat freaking out, but they're prayerful. They just begin to seek the Lord. They say, Lord, we know we can't fight this fight. Uh, the beauty of it is, as the Syrians are flexing, um, taunting, and threatening, the Lord says in verses 34 and 35 of 2 Kings 19. Jot that down. This is, this is a cool, cool verse. Verses 34 and 35 of 2 Kings 19. The Lord says, I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. It says, And that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down, count them, 185,000. With one angel, one angel went and killed 185,000 of the Assyrian army. People of Israel woke up the next morning and Scripture says, All they saw were dead bodies. The promise of death. As, as the sun was setting, they wake up and death was on the enemy instead of God's children. And they never lifted a sword. They, ne- they never swung a sword. They never shot and fired an arrow. Like, and one angel came and killed 185,000 of the Assyrian army. Here's what I want us to see tonight. When we're backed into the corner and we've got nowhere to go. When we're backed into a corner... And we're facing a foe that it seems like an impossibility for us to overcome and to defeat. We see a couple of things. Read with me in, in, in Psalm chapter 46, verses 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. 
Therefore, or because of this, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, and though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Hey, God is our refuge and our strength. Number one, listen, God is a refuge when you can't run. God is a refuge when you can't run. What's a refuge? It's a, it's a place of hiding, right? It's a place of, of trust. It serves as a protection from something that is harmful to us. Our God's a refuge. When, when do you need a refuge? Somebody give me a tangible example of a time that you utilized a, a physical refuge. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, ma'am. There we go. There we go. Um, you need a refuge when you can't run, when you can't flee, and you can't escape your enemy. The Israelites couldn't run. If they would have run, they would have been killed immediately because they blew their cover to start with. Um, There are some undesirable circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in that we can run from. Please please hear this. For example, um, much of our heartache um, and a lot of our stress could be avoided if we simply flee the appearance of evil as Paul exhorts us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22. Some of our financial stress is a result of bad stewardship, which Jesus has instructed us to practice. Some of our relational pain um, is a result of us failing to interact in the biblical way with love and grace and mercy abounding as Jesus instructs. Some job instability and stress could be avoided if we simply seek the discipline and dependability that Jesus instructs and commands from His people that is fostered in us by the Holy Spirit of God Himself. These are self-inflicted foes that we should, that we can and should run from. There are some things that we can run from, and Scripture tells us to. Save yourself the heartache and the stress and flee the appearance of evil. However, um, God is our refuge. Good news is, God is our refuge when we're fighting something that we can't run from. Sickness, death, There are others. The sickness and death is what has burned in my heart and my mind in the last six months. But when we're facing something that we can't run from. Hey, if I could run from brain cancer, guess what? We'd be running right now, okay? We would be be going. This would be marathon class tonight, all right? Um, But but I can't. Can't get away from it, all right? Um, God's our refuge in those moments. Our Heavenly Father protects us from the weight of such realities that we can't run from because His Word, this holy living book, satisfies the soul um, and molds our mind to God's perspective and not our own. We actually begin to see our situation that's undesirable with clearer eyes and an enhanced, elevated perspective. And we see God's purposes even in our plight. And we glorify Him for that. Um, I'll I'll assure you of one thing, okay? Every person in this room will find a refuge. You, you, You will, we will take refuge in something. In every storm, our natural response is to find a place to hide. Some place that will relieve the weight of our situation. Uh, we, we won't spend a lot of time on this, but addictions are formed when substances are our refuge. Alcoholism, narcotic addiction, and obesity are all tangible examples of places we run to when we don't run to Christ. Our materialism is a mask and a distraction for our hurting hearts who are seeking and finding healing but we run to the wrong refuge. These distractions don't protect us from our foe. They actually prolong the battle. When we don't seek 
God is our refuge in all things. We prolong the battle. We don't find healing. We aren't saved in it. We fight with a weakness that never overcomes, and we prolong the battle. So God's a refuge. God's a refuge when we can't run, and we're going to find a refuge. What's your refuge tonight? What do you run to in a moment of weakness? No matter how big or how small you feel like it is, where do we run? Secondly, not only is God a refuge when we can't run, but God's a strength when we are powerless to fight. He is a strength when we are powerless to fight. Strength is the power by which something is accomplished. God, like a good father, is our strength when we're absolutely powerless over our foe. Just like if I could run from brain cancer, bless God, we'd be running. If I could heal myself of brain cancer, bless God, I would do it, okay? And if anybody's holding out on the cure in here, hook a brother up, okay? I'll take you to heartache barbecue every day for the rest of our lives if you're holding out on the cure right now, okay? Um, <laughs> like, like a good father. He fights for us when we're, when we're powerless to fight for ourselves. On, on paper, the Assyrian army was the stronger opponent, and they were the obvious more dominant force. There was no way that the army of Israel would overcome such a foe as the Assyrian army in their own strength. But the good news is they didn't have to, and neither do we. We do not have to fight in our strengths, and we do... <laughs> Oh, the, the blessed, beautiful news is that even though we are helpless, okay, when we are helpless, we are not hopeless if we're in Christ. Like, Scripture says that God's strength is perfected in what? Our weakness. When we're weak is when we're strongest. When we throw down our swords that are dull and rusty, and we take on and say, Lord, I'm going to let you fight with your perfect, perfect strength, we fight a lot better. We win a lot more often when we allow the Lord God to fight when we are powerless. Even though we're helpless, we're not hopeless because it's in our helplessness when we embrace and express our weakness that God's perfect strength is manifested in Jesus. That's a sweet, sweet promise, friends. So, God's a refuge when we can't run. God's a strength when we are powerless to fight. Here's probably the best. Principle number three, God is always found. Everybody say always. always. All right, God is always found in times of trouble. You know what the Hebrew word for always means? Always. That's it. All the time. All right, not a trick question. God is always found in times of trouble. He's our helper, our helper. It's literally someone who fights alongside you to accomplish a goal. Um, he's like your attorney in the courtroom, like your caddy on the golf course. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Um, he's uh, like every pitcher needs a catcher and every wide receiver needs a quarterback. A helper fights alongside you to accomplish your goal. All right. Hey, right now, my goal is, Lord, you Give me 50 more years to serve with the fire and the perspective that you've given me in the last six months. And I, I'm going to be real with you, okay? I'm praying that every single day. That doesn't mean it's a guarantee, all right? I mean, I, I'm fully aware of that. God's glory doesn't demand my life. But I, I'm, I'm pleading, I'm praying to God, look, Lord, I'm, I'm powerless. I know I'm weak. And by your strength and for your glory, Give me 50 more years so that when people look at the life of Chase Sims, all they can say is, may God be glorified because that boy is weak. Mississippi boy missing 20% of his brain that had cancer in it 50 years ago. Bless God. That's the Lord saying, I'm strong when this dude is weak. And I'm a refuge when you can't run. Um, 
So he's our helper. Jesus is your helper. Listen, we're not just talking about cancer tonight, okay? That's, that's what manifests itself in me. Like, that's what I'm, my mind naturally thinks to are my helplessness is in my physical state right now. But Jesus is your helper, not just in sickness. This isn't just a cancer talk, okay? When your boss is a jerk, Jesus is your helper, okay? Um, when your children are defiant, Jesus is your helper. When your marriage is a wreck, Jesus is your helper. He's a refuge. He's a strength. He can help right the wrong when you can't do it yourself. When your job situation is bleak, Jesus is your helper. When your bills are higher than your balance, can I get an amen? Yeah? All right. Jesus is your helper. All right? Jesus is your helper in all things. Now, this helper isn't like the friend who tells you they want to help you move into your new home, but the day and the hour that you're moving into your new home, they've got like 29 other appointments. Oh, bro, I forgot I've got lunch with all my other friends today, you know, until you get done moving into your house. No, they're not like the friend who, who promises their help and then they don't show up. He's a very present help. This redundancy here is, is, is encouraging and exciting for me. Um, he's a, this, this concept, very present, carries with it um, the implication of his readiness to be found. Our Heavenly Father sits, listens with an anticipation of action. Okay? There's an anticipation of action. He is awaiting our call to fight on our behalf, to be a refuge when we can't run, to be a strength when we're powerless to fight. He's anticipating action. He's very present. Charles Spurgeon said he's more present than friend or relative can be. He's closer even than the trouble itself. He's very present, anticipating action, awaiting our call. I'd hate to know that I didn't, I didn't see healing because I just neglected to ask. I would hate to know that I was one prayer from my father breaking through and granting my prayer. Like, Lord Jesus, let us call out, cry out in our weakness. He's our helper so we can be rest assured. You can be rest assured. We never, ever, ever fight alone. So here's what we know. When we embrace these three principles and we experience God as our refuge. We see Him fighting with His strength and our weakness. And we understand that He is very present, always present, closer than even our foe is. When we experience this victory, it extinguishes our fear. Listen, we can. my, my two greatest fears my whole life were, number one, losing my mom, my dad, my sister. My dad died in a car wreck when I was 19 years old, nine years ago. Just last April. My second greatest fear, anybody want to take a shot at it? I'll give you some free barbecue if, uh, if you get it. Cancer. <laughs> Hashtag cancer. Second greatest fear was cancer. God is now taking me. Listen, this is, this is sweet, sweet, sweet. My wife, for the first time this past week, referenced the blessing of cancer in our family's life. Everybody like, it's like, that girl's lost her mind. Like, you're the one. Like, no, really. How has cancer been a blessing to our family? Because it has stripped us of everything. And God has taken us. And, our, and now in my, personally, my two greatest fears, God's taken me by the hand through the deepest darkness I could have ever even imagined and shown that He is faithful, sovereign, good, merciful, gracious, above and beyond even what my greatest fears were since I I was eight years old, I feared two things. Losing my mama, my daddy, my sister, and having cancer. Two for two. God is good. Amen. And God is sovereign and faithful. And I, 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 I count myself as a blessed man to have experienced that in my first 28 years of life. <laughs> what, can, what can mortal man do to me? 
Like, <laughs> that there's, the fact that there's breath in my lungs is a testimony that God is able, that He's faithful, He's powerful. <laughs> there's breath in my lungs to make Jesus known, to live is Christ, and to die. Bless God, my faith becomes sight. I'm face to face with Jesus. And if I'm mad about that, I probably don't know Him in the first place. <laughs> you can't escape death. <laughs> um, so, uh, our last two verses um, says, Therefore we will not fear. This experiencing victory extinguishes fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, and though its waters roar and foam, uh, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. This therefore, anytime you see a therefore in Scripture, I always want to what? Check and see what's it there for, right? Um, therefore, meaning as a result, we will not fear. Or since God's our refuge and our strength, we will not fear. This, this, this phrase, though the earth gives way. This, this is, I love this, okay? Listen to how powerful this is. Though the earth gives way. Earth here can also be translated more generally as land. And gives way or removed can be translated to change or to exchange hands. The phrase could literally mean we will not fear when the land changes hands. You got to think the context of this. The Israelites see the, the Assyrian army pushing into their front yard about to overtake them and kill them all. The earth has changed, exchanged hands unexpectedly. It's as if to say we will not fear even when the unwanted enemies and foes invade our space uninvited. The Israelites didn't send a letter saying, hey guys, I know you've killed everybody else. We're all that's left. Come on over. Let's see how it works out. No, they were uninvited. They invaded their space uninvited. Um, It's a hostile takeover of sorts. Nobody asks for cancer. Nobody prays to lose their job unexpectedly or for sickness to come up on their spouse or for hardship and heartache to overtake their children or for financial and relational instability to manifest itself. No, I would dare say there's nobody in this room that are praying for those things right now. I I think I'm pretty safe in assuming that. We'd never ask for those things, but they do invade unexpectedly and undesired. So what do we do then? It's as though the mountains give way. Like the most immovable, unshakable thing you could think of in nature is the mighty mountain. He says, though those, the thing you believe the most that could never be shaken. At 28 years old, that was my health, friends. When I've got nothing else, when I'm, when I'm out of money, when everybody's mad at me, I mean, I'm 28 years old, I'm young, I'm healthy. No. When the thing you trust in, cling to the most is unshakable and immovable. When it is cast into the sea, what do you do then? What happens when the thing you could never lose would never turn on you? What do you do when it's not there anymore to lean on? The firmest, most unshakable objects in all the creation will all waste away. And it's in when we find what our refuge is in. If our refuge was in the mountain, we're cast into the sea. <laughs> it's a scary, scary thought. It says, hey, as a result of knowing God is our refuge and our strength, and understanding and experiencing Him as a very present help in time of need, we will not fear. We do not have to fear. So here's, here's the kicker, okay? I can assure you of one thing. God is a refuge, okay? God is a strength, and God is a very present help in time of need. The question is, really, it's a matter of the importance of possession. Is He yours? Is He ours? What's your refuge? 
Spurgeon, Spurgeon said something along the lines of like, every other, every other strength is weakness and all other refuges are lies. If you are hiding in, trusting in, clinging to anything apart from Jesus, it will be cast into the sea. And when it's cast into the sea, we drowned with it. Tonight, I, I, would, I would plead with you in this, wherever you find yourself, whatever hurt, whatever pain, whatever your trouble manifests itself as, whatever the trouble looks like for you tonight, hey, seek the Lord as a refuge and submit to the Lord as a refuge. We've got a garage that uh, has a lot of junk in it. Um, and so when these North Texas hailstorms blew through in the spring, my sweet wife's car got pelted. Why? Not because I didn't have somewhere to put it, but because there was too much other junk in the refuge where it would have been safe. We've got to purge our hearts, our hands, our minds. We've got to release our idol, idol objects of worship and purge ourselves of our idol, I-D-L-E, wasters of time and say, Lord Jesus, you are our refuge. You're where my heart, my mind, my hands, my body, my life rest. You are my strength. I've got nothing to fight with, so I'm trusting and clinging to you and by your word, through your will and your spirit to fight for me. And you're very present. You're anticipating action. Cry out. Call out to the Father. Rest in His provision and protection and trust His strength to fight on your behalf. Okay, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to toss it back to the man right here. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you encourage hearts tonight, but Father, I pray that you convict hearts tonight. Lord, expose us. Um, Help us to see clearly, hear loudly what we run to as a refuge, where we hide, and the weakness with which we fight when we find ourselves defeated over and over and over again. Father, may we die to pride and call on you and understand our Heavenly Father anticipates action. He awaits our call. And may we be emboldened to call on you in our moments of weakness. May we experience your perfect protection as a refuge, your sovereign provision as a strength. And Lord... (laughs) your intimate companionship is a very present helper in ways that extinguish our hearts of our deepest, greatest fears so that we walk with you more faithfully and make you known more fully. In Jesus' name we pray. And it's in Jesus' name we go. Amen, amen, amen.